Book of John, chapter 5. All right. If you have a mobile phone, can I encourage you to turn it off or turn it on silent at least this morning? Um, that would be helpful just as a reminder to you. Um, I don't want to name and shame you from the pulpit when I'm preaching this morning, but I will. So you have been pre-warned, okay? Um, but uh, pastor's away. Bethany graduated this week, so um, they're away. Rowley uh, preached on Wednesday night. It was a great uh, Wednesday night service. So let me encourage you again. Uh, be faithful to the services as pastors away. On Wednesday night this coming week, we're going to look at, at an important issue, especially for our society. We're going to look at the topic of suicide this Wednesday evening. So if you don't normally come on a Wednesday night, for whatever reason, let me encourage you to try and make it this Wednesday. You know, hundreds and hundreds of people every year in Ireland die from suicide. And uh, it's an important, important issue. And uh, I'd encourage you to really come along on Wednesday night to see what the Bible has to say about the issue of suicide. Uh, but this morning, uh, on a brighter note, I suppose, we are going to look at, um, at the book of John. Let's read the first ten verses of the chapter. And, uh, and then we will pray, and then we'll get forward into the message. But I'm glad you're here. Uh, welcome to LifeGate. If you haven't been here before, we're glad to have you. Uh, but let's, uh, let's read together. Uh, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. And there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which, he, which is called in the Hebrew tongue uh, Bethesda. It means the house of mercy. Uh, having five porches. And these lay a great, uh, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season unto the pool and troubled the water. Whatsoever then, uh, whosoever then, forced after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And, Jesus, and when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been there a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before him, before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed and he walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And verse 10 says, And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I do ask, O oh God, as we come to your word, as we come to look at the very inspired and fallible word of God this morning, I pray, O oh God, that you would uh, help me to preach, and I pray, Lord, that you would help the folks here to listen and understand. I pray that you would speak through your word uh, to our hearts this morning. Give us what we need, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, look back up there, if you will, with me at uh, verse 2. And it says, And now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. That just means the house of mercy. That's what the name means, having five porches. You know, uh, Bethesda is a, a place that people will go to and they would find mercy. It was a, a, an opportunity kind of place where they could go and they could find mercy. So what is mercy? Mercy is... Uh, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone when it is within thy power to punish or harm them. 
Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Mercy is what each of us need. I want you to turn back, keep your finger there, but turn back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and we'll look at the very first time it's mentioned. Genesis chapter 19, look at verse 16 with me. In Genesis chapter 19, you're going to read about Lot and his wife and his family down in Sodom and Gomorrah. And in chapter 19, Lot and his wife had been warned by the angels that were came to rescue them that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and that he was going to rain down fire upon them. But the Bible records uh, this for us. It records that while he was there, um, that they lingered, that they you know, Lot sat at the gate, which means he had an influential job in the city, a political kind of job in the city that he was well paid. And him and his wife, in a sense, lived a high life back in, in those days in Sodom. And, uh, you know, here we have the angels show up and they say, listen, you need to leave. God's going to destroy this city. And the Bible says, as they were leaving, that they lingered. And him and his wife lingered. And the reason why they lingered is because they had a lot of stuff. You know, in just a few hours, the city was going to be destroyed. And they were told not to look back. But Lot's wife looked back and God turned her into a pillar of salt. But the Bible says this for us. Um, Look at verse 16. You know, as they lingered, the angels basically had to grab them and pull them out. But this is what it says. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of of his two doors, and the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and saw him without the city. This is the first mention of the word mercy in the Bible. And, you know, turn back over to John with me, if you will, John 5. It's the first mention of mercy in the Bible. And you see, God was shown Lot mercy. You know, Lot deserved to die in the city with the rest of them. You know, he was as bad as the rest of them. He knew what was going on. He was involved in it. He was living amongst it. He was part of it. He was working for it. He was part of the system. But for, for uh, God had mercy upon him. And God's mercy went in in the form of two angels that day. And they took Lot and his family out. And they rescued them from that city. And we know Lot's wife ultimately died in the story. Um, but the reality is Lot and his family were rescued because God is merciful. And each one of us, if you've been saved this morning, God has been merciful to me and you. He has showed us mercy. You know what? The first point is the Lord is merciful unto us. You know, God shows us mercy. For uh, Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, nothing that we could ever do, but by according to his mercy, God saved us. You see, if you're a Christian this morning, you're a Christian because of the mercy of God, because God, according to his mercy, saved us. Now, in John chapter 5, you're going to see Jesus, and Jesus is going where? He's going up to Jerusalem. And when he's coming to Jerusalem, you know, remember, there's not an idle word in Scripture. So every situation and every word that's in the Gospels, in the Bible, God has put there for a reason. Now, we're going to see Jesus walking up to Jerusalem, and he's going to enter into a certain gate. You know, and there was lots of entrances into Jerusalem. Uh, I found numerous ones when I was studying it this week. And there was lots of entrances in, but one of them was an entrance, and 
inside the entrance had a large pool of water, okay? And that entrance was called the Sheet Gate. And in 1956, archaeologists actually found what they believe is the Sheep Gate and the pool uh, at Bethesda. Um, and, um, you know, the Bible records that it had five porches, you know, shaded areas. And, you know, it records that there's a multitude of people around the place. It's a busy, busy place. There's a lot of people there. It's called the Sheep Gate. You know, and that day Jesus made the decision to go into Jerusalem. But he didn't go through the normal way that a lot of people go, through the East Gate maybe. He decided to go this way. You know, and, you know, Jesus and his disciples are going to enter through this sheep gate. And remember, when Jesus is doing anything, it's never without a plan. He always has a plan and a purpose for everything he does. So if he's doing something in your life right now, you maybe don't understand what he's trying to do. But he always has a plan. And we just need to come to that place where we trust him and, and trust that he has a plan. Because he's going to go and do an unusual thing here. And he's going to go through the sheep gate. And Jesus always knows what he's doing. He's going to go through the sheep gate at Bethesda, the house of mercy. That's what Bethesda means, the house of mercy or uh, um, flowing of waters. That's what it means. You know, and the thing about our church here in LifeGate, I believe our church here in LifeGate is just like that. It's a house of mercy. I believe anybody can come here, you know, we see many people come and they struggle with addictions and struggle with strongholds in their lives and stuff like that. And we have ministries in our church to be a help and a support to those type of people. Well, they're the type of people that Jesus reaches and they're the type of people that he's going to go in and, and, and look at in the story in a sense. People that were really struggling, people that really needed his mercy, you know, and that's why I like coming to LifeGate. LifeGate is a church that not only wants to involve itself in ministries that are helping the addicted and people that are really struggling in our society, but it actually puts its money where its mouth is and actually funds it, helps it, supports it. The people here volunteer in it. And uh, really, really important that we do that as a church, that we are known in our community as a house of mercy, a place where broken people can come and they can find help. They can find God's mercy. And, um, you know, I believe many of us have been blessed because we come to a church just like that. You know, but I want to focus on uh, the individual for just a minute. You know, uh, you as an individual, me as an individual, the Bible calls my body, your body, the temp- it, we, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a house, in other words, a house where God dwells. Well, each one of us as individuals, we know our church is set up and we have some ministries to help people like that. But each one of us, I believe, needs to get to the place where we, as an individual, as uh, at the temple of the Holy Spirit ourselves, go into the world as houses of mercy, looking for people uh, to show mercy upon. Okay, And I believe that's the individual plan that God would have for each one of us, that we represent him and we go and we show mercy uh, wherever we go. You know, I would like my family home to be known as a place where, you know, people find mercy. I would like my ministry to be known as a place where people go and they find mercy. And I want our church always to be recognized in our area as a place where people go and they find mercy. That's what I would like. You know what? A place where you can go and you can really find help. A place where you can go and you will find people that are interested in you people that will love you, people that will care for you. And that's the type of place that people want to be around. 
You know, that's what we want to be known for. A place where people care, a place where people come and find mercy, a house of mercy. You know, and I believe that's what we all want. You know, uh, look back at John 5 with me, if you will. You know, John 5 says, and there was a feast of the Jews. Uh, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, we all know that what people like is, people like a good feast, don't they? People like a good feast. Some of you are thinking about your feast when you go home after church now. Well, don't think about the feast right now. Just stay in and, and see if you can eat some of the feast God's prepared for you this morning in church. God, um, you know, set up a number of different feasts and, and different celebrations that people would have. And, uh, you know, in the, with the Jews, there's a number of different feasts they would have in the calendar year. Uh, slightly different to the ones that we would have. And some of those feasts can last for a number of days or even weeks. Uh, and they would just be a time where people come, they celebrate, uh, they share food. And that's what people like. That's what we like. Matter of fact, we like it too much is the problem, isn't it? We like feasting too much. But Jesus is going up uh, to Jerusalem, and there's a feast on at Jerusalem. And, you know, this would have been the highlight of the year in a sense. You know, what, what do you normally do at Christmas time? You know, it's a big time for us. We normally get new clothes, and everybody comes here Sunday, Christmas morning, and they're all done up in their new, new gear and all that. Well, it's kind of like that when there's a feast going on, when there's a celebration like that going on, it's a, it's a highlight of the year. And here we see the people coming from all over Israel, coming to Jerusalem, and we see Jesus coming up to Jerusalem. But the thing is, Jesus didn't come for the feast. Jesus didn't come for the feast. He had other things on his mind. You see, Jesus came to Jerusalem, and on his mind was mercy. On his mind was helping people. On his mind was not the the food that was on display or the food that could be eaten or the, the good things and the celebrations that would be had. Jesus had other things on his mind. He went to show mercy to broken men. You know, and if you and I are ever going to get to that place where we're people of mercy, where we display mercy and we show people mercy, and we're involved in ministries that help people and, and our mercy ministries involved in helping those people that are struggling, well, me and you are going to have to forfeit sometimes feasting. We're going to have to forfeit and not go to some of the things that we would want to go to because there's always a cost involved in showing mercy. There's always a cost. And, you know, Jesus had a plan. He had a purpose about what he was doing. You know, if you want to be involved in a mercy ministry, you're going to have to be willing to serve before others arrive and to leave after often others have left. If you want to be involved in in a mercy ministry. You know, um, somebody that wants to show mercy will have to look to the, the needs of the people around them before their own needs. People that want to be involved in a mercy ministry, you know, don't do it because they get paid. They don't do it because they want to be acknowledged. And if you do stuff because you want to be acknowledged, listen, that's pretty sad. Don't do stuff because you might get a pat on the back for it. Do it because it's right to do it. You want to help somebody. You know, don't do it because you should be doing it because people need mercy. There's people out there that need help. Let me encourage you. Be involved in ministry that helps people. God's all about people. Here we're going to see the the disciples and Jesus going to Jerusalem. And there's going to be a lot of feasting going on. 
But these men are never going to see the feasting. These men are never going to enter into the, the partying that's going on in, the, in Jerusalem uh, over that time. These men are going to enter into a different gate. They are there with a different agenda. You know what? Some of us don't want to be involved in, in, in a, a ministry or, or be involved in helping people that are hurting because, you know, there's a fair factor of being involved in helping people. You know, some people that came to the pool that, uh, where Jesus was, you know, um, you know they, they, they had all kinds of problems. They, they were an uncomfortable bunch to be around. Also, what you're going to find about people with, that need mercy is oftentimes they won't come to you. You will actually have to go to them. It was Jesus that came to them. It was Jesus that went to them. It was Jesus that went into where they were and found them. You see, when people need mercy, sometimes they need somebody to go to them. Someone had to sacrifice. Somebody had to go. Somebody had to be willing. So, so Jesus went. You know, there's a lot of people, um, you know, um, there was a lot of people there, uh, and many of them couldn't help themselves. Can you imagine what that place was like? We just read about uh, a place where there's all sorts of broken, hurt uh, people that, you, you can imagine what it would be like, the pain, the crying, the suffering, the brokenness of the people that are lying there. We just read about a man who had been lying there for 38 years in the midst of a whole load of other broken people who are struggling. You know, they needed somebody to go to them. So Jesus made, Jesus, who was our, our example, made a choice. He, he determined that he wouldn't go to the feast, but that he would go to minister. You know, he had to choose not to go to the feast at Jerusalem, but to go a different way. You see, there are always people that need mercy. And they don't always come looking for mercy. Oftentimes we need to go to them with mercy. Let me encourage you, we need to make a choice. You know, um, you know there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and in ministries and in churches and food is often involved in it. And sometimes if you're involved in and you have yourself and you want to show mercy to people, sometimes while everybody else is feasting, you should just pick your eyes up a, a little bit and look around and see, is there somebody in here that needs somebody to talk to? Is there somebody in here that maybe needs, uh, needs to be shown some love? Is there somebody that needed to be invited to the feasting in the first place? You know, we have to have a different set of eyes. We have to have a different set, a different mentality. You know, one of the things that got Jesus in trouble was he was eating and drinking with publicans and sinners. And in a sense, that's what he's doing here. He's ministering. You know, and, you know, oftentimes when Jesus was in trouble, it's because he was doing good. And, you know, let me encourage you, uh, sometimes you'll be misunderstood when you're doing good. You know, he always looked to the needs of others. He always had others on his mind, not his own appetite, you know, not his own pleasures. You know, he was looking at the needs of others. And I suppose what I'm trying to get across to us this morning is, you know, for people that want to be involved in, in a mercy ministry, you know, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice some time and energy because it doesn't happen by accident. Second thing I want to look at is that people that go to the house of mercy, you know what, they go there on purpose. They go there on purpose. Look at John uh, 5, 2 says, and now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. 
you know what? The sheep market is a gathering place. It's a place that you would only go through if you had um, sheep and stuff like that. It's mentioned in the book of Nehemiah a number of times. And if you wanted to bring animals into Jerusalem and you wanted them to be sold or they were going to get butchered or they were going to be brought to sacrifice or whatever, you would always bring your animals through the sheep gate. You know, if you wanted to maybe sell them or whatever, they would always go through the sheep gate. You couldn't bring them in any other way. You couldn't just bring them any way you wanted. You know, there's a thing about animals. Animals have a way of making a mess, okay? You know, do you all know that? Yeah, if you have pets, you have dogs, cats or whatever, they make a mess. Well, you have a lot of sheep running around. They make a fierce mess, okay? You see, sheep and stuff like that, they like to take in, but they also like to give out. Okay, so uh, you would have an absolute mess if you had a lot of animals walking down the road. And if you lived in a culture where you only wore sandals on your feet, you wouldn't want the sheep walking down the same street as you're walking down, would you? You see, it was the sheep market. It was the sheep gate. It was the place where you brought your sheep. I lived on a farm over in Scotland for, for man nearly five years. And, uh, you know, sheep can make a mess. But there's something else about sheep. You see, sheep make a mess, but you know what? The sheep would come in and they would go down to the sheep, through the sheep gate and they would go down to the pool. There was a big pool down there and uh, the sheep would go for a drink. There was a big pool and the sheep would get a drink down there. And, you know, if you were one of the disciples and Jesus told you, listen, we're going to Jerusalem, there's a feast on, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to do what, like I said, we would do at Christmas time and all those type of things. You're going to get done up. These disciples that were with him were just ordinary Joes. They wouldn't have known what Jesus was going into, into this way for. You know, he just done his own thing and they kind of caught up oftentimes. So you can just imagine these disciples. Jesus tells them, listen, we're going to Jerusalem. And they're all rubbing their hands. They're all excited. They're going to a party at Jerusalem. It's going to be a feast. They're thinking they're going to meet up with their friends and do stuff like that. You know, they're probably gelling their hair or hairspray or something like that in their hair. Men shouldn't wear hairspray, by the way. Um, but they're, they're gelling their hair. They're getting ready. They're maybe taking those nightgear sandals that they have and they're shining them up and stuff like that. And they're getting themselves all ready to go to the feast. And as they're walking towards Jerusalem, Jesus turns around to them. He says, oh, you listen, we're not going that way. This is the way we're going. And they're like, well, why are we going this way? Because we're going to enter through the sheep market. And they're going... Are you, are you crazy or what? We're, gonna, look at, we're all done up in our, be, in our best gear here. We're not going to enter into the sheep gate. And Jesus says, listen, we're going through the sheep gate. We're going, we're going this way. You see, they knew what that would have meant. Where there's a lot of animals, there's a lot of mess. And when you brought your animals in and you were wanting to sell your sheep and you had brought them in and the herd, you know what they would often do? They would often go down to the pill with the sheep and you know what they'd do? They'd wash them. Now, I lived on a, on a sheep farm. You know, there's nothing worse than the smell of wet sheep, <laughs> right? So here you have a place where not only is there, um, you know, is it dirty, it's smelly too. And there's a lot of people around there that are absolutely broken. That it's uncomfortable to be around them. It's so uncomfortable to be around them. It's even uncomfortable to look at them. They're deformed, they're withered, they're, they're you know, struggling, um, but Jesus says to him, listen, we're going, that's the way we're going. We're going through the sheep gate. You know, and, uh, you know, people that go, through, go to the house of mercy to show mercy upon people, uh, you know what, they only ever go there on purpose. They don't there, go there by accident. 
You know, and I'm sure as these men looked at Jesus, they were confused about why he wanted to go. You know, there's lots of other entrances they could have gone in. You know, they're probably asking them, well, why do we need to go here? Well, Jesus was going there because he had a plan and he had a purpose. He was there to minister. He didn't really care about the feast. And that's the way we need to be. We need to get separate from uh, just uh, fleshly things and, uh, and focus on the spiritual needs of people. You know, there are many entrances, but Jesus went through the sheep gate on purpose. He went through the sheep gate on purpose because he wanted to minister to people. You know, and it, you know, and it's true. If you and I are ever going to um, be anything other than think of ourselves, we're going to have to do it on purpose. Isn't that true? You see, you don't have to think about taking care of yourself. That just happens automatically for all of us. You always have to think about the needs and, and helping others on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. You know, um, you know, uh, if we're going to be men and women of mercy, it's not going to happen by accident. We're going to have the purpose to be looking for people that need mercy. You know, we can live a life with blinkers on and, and not look for the needs of others. But if we do, we're the ones that ultimately miss out. We lose out. Or you can look up and ask the Lord to make you a man or a woman of mercy to help you to look and identify the needs of others that you might have mercy upon them, that you might be a help to them. You know, um, you know this place, this Bethesda, this in through the sheep gate where there was the pool, you know, it was a place where you didn't go unless you went there on purpose. Unless you were going with some animals to sell or, or, or something like that, or you had somebody that was struggling, you were trying to bring them to this pool that people talked about. You know, you only went there on purpose. You know what? That's the reality. You know, we need to do things on purpose. It's not going to happen by accident. We have to have an eye and a heart for it. And do you know what your, you know, what your eyes see affects your heart? You know, that's the reality of things. So these animals were all there, but there was also people. You know, this place that we're talking about, it's a place of misery. There's lots of broken people lying around there, people struggling. You know, broken men, broken women who are needing healing, but they're uh, they've been there for many years, some of them. You know, if you were to ask me if I wanted to go and spend time at the hospital, I wouldn't want to go. I don't really like hospitals at all. That's why we have Florence in our membership. She likes going, so that's where she goes. Uh, but I, I really don't want to go visit people in the hospital, so don't be offended if I don't go when you're sick. Um, uh, but I, I just don't like it. Listen, you're being around people who are sick, and it's a hard place to be. But this is the type of place that Jesus went to. You know, in a sense, it was, it was like a hospital. It was like, a, uh, you know, an emergency room. Those people there. Look at verse 3. It says, And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind halt. Halt just means they're unable to walk. Uh, withered. You know, th- this place is a horrible place. You know, the stench and the filth were bad enough, but to look and be around the people with deformities would, you know, turn your stomach at times. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus says this and where we're going, we're going through the sheep gate. You know, Jesus went there on purpose. And our church and the ministries of our church need, and the people of our church need to, on purpose, go to people that are hurting. Because it's not going to happen by accident. You know, the next point is their basic needs were met. See Bethesda, what does it say about it? It has five porches. You know what? When you're being involved in a ministry that you're reaching out to people, you're going to have to be concerned about their basic needs too. 
you know, um, it's essential that you're, you're, you're looking when you're trying to help people. You know, hearing the story we're reading about Bethesda, what you read about it, you read that a, it was a place of war that was important for people back then, so you could get a drink and you could get clean or whatever. But the other side of it is, it says that having five porches. You know, without these porches, people wouldn't have been able to sit there. It was a shaded place where people could get in and out of sun as well and be a help to them. You know, their basic needs were, were being looked after. But they were gathered there because the water was there and they had a bit of shelter there. But they also had a bit of hope that God would supernaturally heal them by the moving of the water when the angel came. And look at verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, when we think about the multitude, it kind of sounds good. A multitude of people, uh, you have lots of people to minister to, lots of people to help. But you know what? It's not just with the gospel message that we actually need to reach out. You know, these people had great needs. And many, you know, many famous preachers and missionaries, you know, you know what their ministries were built upon. Obviously, the, the preaching of the gospel, but also meeting the, the, you know, the basic needs that people had. You know, we had George Mueller running orphanages, done a great work for God, but meeting the basic needs that children had. You had William Booth. He said he preached for ages and nothing was happening. And uh, he went and he asked the, the people, you know, why are, why are not more people getting saved? And you know what he was told? Because they're too worried about their, their hungry. They've nowhere to sleep. So what did he do? He started a ministry uh, to help them, the Salvation Army. You know, oftentimes we need to be willing and ready to meet people's basic needs uh, so that we can help them with the gospel. You know, it's, it's vitally important that we do that, that that kind of stuff doesn't get in the way. You know, when Jesus had people around him, what, he, what would he do? He would always meet their basic needs. You know, he would feed them. You know, he would look after them. You know, he met people where they were at. He showed them real love. He showed them genuine, pure religion. You know, we looked at it in the men's home this week. James one twenty seven says this. It says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. You know what it's important to do? It's important that we reach out to those that are suffering, to those that are in affliction. And this is what we see when we come to Bethesda here. We see Jesus demonstrating pure religion to these people. You know what? They came to the house of mercy. Next point we're going to look at is don't go to the house of mercy unless you're going to get intimately involved. You know, they could have just went to the disciples and Jesus and observed what was going on. But look at verse 5. It says, and a certain man was there. You know, Jesus knew everything about this man. He knew, uh, you know, he knew, you know, every, everything about him. But he was personally interested in the needs of the man. Not just the multitude, but the individual. Does God love the world? Absolutely. God's love for the world is no more than his love for the individual. And never forget that. God's love for the world is no more than his love for the individual. You know what? The reality is we as individuals can't help everyone at Bethesda. You know, some people need a touch from God. You know, there's some things we just as, as Christians can't do that it's only God can meet their needs. You know, but that doesn't mean we can't go and help the individual. You know, if all of us would just help one person, you know what, a lot of people would be helped. This place would be a changed place. Everyone, you know, can help someone. You know, because we neglect uh, 
someone to neglect it, wanting to go to Bethesda and wanting to be merciful and, and reach out to people. Because oftentimes we don't want to get intimately involved with people. You know, it can be uncomfortable. You know, we can be happy enough for others just to do it and not really wanting to get involved. But if, if you and I are going to get intimately involved, you have to know this. When you start reaching out to people and trying to help people, you're going to find that you get hurt from it. You get hurt from it. You know, that's the reality. People will let you down. People will hurt you. You know, Jesus, though, chose purposefully to go to a certain gate around a certain type of people, and he purposely chose to be intimately involved in an individual's life. You know what? If you're going to be involved in somebody's life, you're going to have to make sure that you do it. Make sure that you get involved. You know, that you get really involved. So, what did this man need? Look at verse 5 again with me. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Now, that's a long time. 38 years is a long time. This is a broken, broken man. Can you imagine the, even the psychological effects of being struggling with this problem for 38 years? You know what? He's a broken man. Look at verse 6. He's been here for a long time. Verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he'd been there a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Now, when you read this, it kind of seems like a bit of a stupid question at times. But it's not. It's the kind of question that's going to get to the very heart of what this man needs and what this man is going to want. You know, he was asking the question, and he's going to ask him to do something in a minute from the question. But look at verse 7. And the intimate man, uh, impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man. I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, so you can imagine him dragging himself down, crawling, he can't walk. When, when the angel had been the waters of trouble, he's trying to drag himself down. But when I am coming, another step it down before me. You know what this guy needs? This guy needs a friend to help him down to the water. That's what this guy needs. You know, he says, I have no man. How sad is it in our world when people have no man to help them? When they've nobody that's willing to reach out to them and help them? You know, there are many hurting people in our country and our communities that need God's mercy. And you know what? They're going to need us to go and show them that, to tell them that there's mercy to be had. You know what? We have to respond. You know, some people just need a friend. Some people just need somebody to love them. Somebody just needs to help them. But many in our society, just like this man, can say, Sir, I have no man. I have no man to help me. You know, it would take some friend to, that would be willing to sit there in the, the stinking filth of, uh, around the sheep pool with the scorching sun to wait there for the water to be troubled. You know, the, the reality is in this story, you could be waiting there for a week, a month, a year, you could be waiting there for a number of years before the water is troubled. But this man says he's nobody to help him. But you know what? There was other people there that did have people to help them. That were able to get down to the water. That were able to get down before him because he had nobody to help him. And you know, it's a sad thing in, in the world when uh, the world has better friends than Christians have. You make sure that you get some good friends around you. 
Uh, friends are absolutely vital to us. And you know what Jesus was doing to this man? He was being his friend. Jesus was interested in this man's life. He was willing to help the man when nobody else was. Next thing I want to look at, which is the house of mercy. You know, the house of mercy, if you decide to go there, make sure Jesus is with you. That's another important point. Do you know if them disciples had gone there on their own, that nothing supernatural would have happened? If they had gone on their own, this man would have been still sitting there. You know, the fact is that when Jesus was there, Jesus spoke to the man, Jesus healed the man. So as we go about our business this week and, and in the coming weeks, make sure that when you go that you have Jesus going with you. Because Jesus can speak to people through your life and with your life and with your words. Uh, but make sure you have Jesus with you. When you go out and you find somebody that needs mercy, make sure it's the Lord that's with you and that's him that's speaking. You know what? We can't help everyone, but God can help everyone. You know, uh, Matthew 10 verse 20 says this. It says, For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. You know, God can use your life to speak to people. You know, God can speak through you. You know, uh, it's him that people need. It's his word that's quicker and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's his word that people uh, that people need. You know, when you're investing in individuals who need mercy, uh, it will lead to, in a sense, misunderstandings and falling out because of a lack of appreciation. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, And the impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the, wa- into the pool, but while I am coming, another step it down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed and he walked, and on, the, uh, on, and on that same day was the Sabbath. Now watch this. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. You know, of course the Pharisees showed up and said to the him that was cured, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. You know, but I have a question for those Pharisees among us that, you know, point the finger when other people are trying to do stuff. You know, where were those Pharisees for the past number of years when this man needed help? They wouldn't have been there to help this man. They wouldn't have spent time around this filthy pool. They wouldn't have wanted to go down and be with the, the rejects of the world. They wouldn't have wanted to go down and spend time with those who are not like them. You know, it's easy to be a Pharisee and just sit on the sidelines pointing the finger and, you know, not being involved. But let me encourage you, Jesus got his hands dirty. He went down, he got his feet dirty. You know, he went down and got involved. You know, Jesus went down and healed him. He tells him to pick up his bed and the man rolls up his bed and he carries it away this is the first time in 38 years that this man's able to do that the first time he's been a broken man you know and all the religious people around him could say is how dare you pick up your bed on a sabbath day you know how <laughs> it, it seems laughable to us but they were dead serious to him they were absolutely serious they were uh, just pointing the finger uh, at the, the, the man that had been cured and at Jesus because Jesus would dare to heal somebody on the Sabbath day. And those people are still around today. You know, I've been to visit a church and I went to a church and uh, presented and 
you know, um, spoke to, got invited to the, the pastor's dinner, house for dinner afterwards. And, uh, and in the pastor's house, the pastor's wife turned around to me and said, uh, so why do you bother doing this? Uh, those people are there and in trouble with addictions because they made choices, their own choices. You know, it's not our responsibility to do anything to help them. It's their responsibility. They made the choices. Let them get out of themselves. They just need to stop doing what they're doing. You know what? It's so easy just to sit on the sidelines and make and be criticizing and not get involved. But you know what Jesus done? Jesus went and he got involved. You know what? And he brought the disciples with him. The disciples in their training under Jesus were learning that you go to the places that other people don't want to go to. You go through the sheep gate when other people want to go through the east gate. You go down where it's dirty when other people want to stay clean. You go reach out to the broken when other people had prefer to speak to the rich. You know, they were learning all the time that, about Jesus' heart and Jesus' heart to have mercy upon people. You know, I'd rather make some mistakes than sit back on the sidelines and criticize other people that are doing stuff uh, to show mercy to people. You know, we're going to have to choose a different way. We're going to have to be willing to get messy. You know, mercy, when it's displayed, you will always find that it is attractive. You know, people that receive mercy from the Lord you know, will appreciate it most of the time, and, and they will want to get involved in it. You know, each one of us has been shown mercy, the greatest act of mercy that's ever been shown to anybody. God has come down and died in our place on the cross. God himself came looking for us to show us mercy. He came down from heaven. The Bible says this in Romans 5. It says, but God commended his love towards us, that and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I wonder, do you know that God has had mercy on you this morning? Oh, he wants you to have mercy on others, but he's had mercy upon you. And he gives us an invitation. He says in Hebrews 4.16, he says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and that we might find grace to help in time of need. You know what? God gives each one of us that invitation that we can come boldly unto his throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Have you found God's mercy this morning? You know, as First Peter 2 verse 10 says, In which times past you were not a people, but now are a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen, we have obtained the mercy of God. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he had shown, He had loved us. Listen, God is rich in mercy for each one of us. You know, when you think back at that pool with those broken people around it, people struggling, they were never going to be able to help themselves. They were never going to be able to help themselves. You know what? Some of them had good friends around them. That was a help to them. But you know what? When Jesus came, he was the answer to all their problems. And you know what? You might be struggling with whatever issues this morning. You will find that Jesus is the answer to all your problems. When God has mercy upon you, it will change everything about you. And then you need to go and you need to be shown mercy to others. You need to go and tell others of the mercy of God that are struggling. You need to be involved in a, a ministry uh, to show mercy to the individuals around you. 
you know, everyone can do something. Everybody can be involved at some level. You know, everybody can do something. God wants us to be a people of mercy that recognize that mercy has been shown to us. And then we need to go likewise, showing it to others. Being willing to help those that are broken. Being willing to help those that are hurting. Being willing to help those that, that uh, need God in a special way. Some of the points we looked at was when you go to show mercy to people, make sure God is with you. Because it's not you that people need, although it's helpful. It's always Jesus that people need. So when you go, you make sure that Jesus goes with you and it's him that you speak about because it's him that they need. But you have to be willing to go. If you're ever going to go, you know what you have to do? You have to go there on purpose. You have to go and be willing to show mercy on purpose. Sometimes you have to go to places which aren't very nice. But you know what? They're the very type of places that Jesus went to. You have to go around people that are hurting that aren't much to look at, that, that don't have anything to offer. But that's exactly the type of people that Jesus went to reach. And he is our example, and he is the one we look to, and he is the one that we should mirror ourselves on. So let me encourage you, LifeKey, be willing to be a house of mercy, to be open with people that were, no matter what shape they come in, no matter what's gone on with them, that we are an open door for people to come that need mercy. And let us never forget, each one of us in this room and in this church has been showed mercy by God. And we should go and show it to others. Let us pray, Vincent, if you will come.